So your music artist was planned to take over the world, huh? Yeah, duh. That's why I'm here. Well, you've come to the right place. Let's go! Welcome to the I Am Northbound Podcast. Podcast. Your guide to dominating the new music industry. Oh my goodness, it is such a good day. It is such a good day because I can finally say after all this time, how long has it been? Months. Over a year now, I think, but it's been many, many episodes that I've been talking about this. Look what is finally here. I mean, I think I had it here on the last episode, but it is finally available. The four-dimensional songwriter, How to Dominate the New Music Industry, is finally here. My goodness, it feels so good to say that because it has been such a long time coming. It's been such a crazy week. That's why I haven't done a podcast in a while. It's because it was like so much work in the lead up to that. And there's still so much work going on. I mean, I was going to skip another week and start back next week, but I figured, no, I've got to keep making good content for you, right? I've got to start doing things. I'm going to do things a little bit different. The the podcast itself has had a bit of an overhaul. So it's like, I've got segments now. It's not just going to be me talking randomly for half an hour. Um, so I hope you enjoy that. But yeah, the book's out. I mean, I said I'd do a limited run for when it first came out and those books went like in two days. It was so good. Thank you so much, everyone, for being so supportive. Uh, everyone who's ordered their books, they're in the mail, but there is also a whole bunch of people who have ordered books that, um, you know, I ran out. So, I mean, I didn't want to not give books to them. So, I'm going to do one more run. Uh, at the moment, I'm now just currently waiting on the printer to ship the books to me. Okay. So, if you've put an order in and you're wondering why I haven't told you it's shipped yet, it's because I had to put another order in to get printed. They're on their way to my house, uh, hopefully today, if not tomorrow. Anyway, I should get them early next week and then I'll get them to you straight away. But it has been crazy. Do you know how like good it feels after like a year of writing this book to be going to the post office and sending it to places like not only just in Australia, like locally, like, that's cool enough. But then there's people in like uh, all the way on the other side of the world, like heaps of people in England. There were people in like Croatia, people in like is it Guadalupe. Is that how you say that? Don't even know how to say these countries that I'm sending it to. Uh, Iceland, uh, Finland, it's crazy. I mean- I have to check like every letter on the on the envelope when I'm writing out the address because it's just like the spelling. It looks like you've just kind of like run your hand across a keyboard. I don't mean any offense to anyone from any country that spells like that, but I mean, from my perspective, it does look like that. Anyway, so go get your copy now. Go to the 4dsongwriter.com. It's going to take you straight there and it is going to, uh, we're going to redesign the site a little bit, but you're going to love it. I absolutely know that. And the information inside it is going to change the way you operate as a music artist. Next episode, I'm going to dive a bit into what's in the book, but we've got uh, some other stuff planned for today. So without further ado, let's get into it. So recently, Facebook implemented uh, some changes within their algorithm, and I figured it would be pretty cool to step you guys through it. You need to know this as a music artist. This is going to give you an upper hand to know what you should be looking for and to know how to not make mistakes that are actually going to suppress your organic reach on Facebook. Now, as you know, organic reach is pretty much dead on Facebook. It's really hard to get anyone to see anything, but there's a few things you could be doing that could get your profile um, sort of blacklisted or on Instagram, it's like a shadow ban, but on Facebook, they'll just really tighten down on your organic reach and make it even harder. So Facebook look for um, four features, okay, amongst their updated comment algorithm. They're looking for integrity signals, user indicated preferences, user interaction signals, and moderation signals. So uh, integrity signals are like a measure of authenticity. So comments that violate the community standards or fall into engagement bait are negative signals. Okay. So you don't want to do this. This is one that is super important to you as a music artist. You should never engagement bait. People do it all the time and small businesses do it all the time. I see it all the time. It is a terrible marketing strategy. It's a terrible approach and it will never work for you. So so what is engagement bait if you don't know? Well, stuff like here, it says uh, react baiting. So if you say stuff like, hey, uh, hit love if you like this, hit 
like like if you think this or hit haha if it's something else. You've seen those posts before. They're called react baiting posts and you don't want to do that. It's not a poll. It's not, you're not just telling them to react for no reason or whatever, you know? Okay, so don't do that. Uh, the second one is follow and share baiting. So if you ever put an ad up that says something like, hey, we're giving away, you know, our latest music or whatever. So to enter, like this post, share it with your friends and leave a comment. Facebook know that and their algorithm looks for people doing that. It can automatically tell if you've done that. It's obviously not too hard. They just search for certain words and uh, they really, cr- uh, they could like, you could get banned over that. I think like banning is a pretty serious um, outcome from it, but I guess repeat offenders are getting banned because I've, I've seen a lot of people complain about getting banned, right? So don't, don't do that and you won't fall into that category, but you're not the first person to think of trying to ask people to get all the engagement out of someone before you give them something they want. But I read an article the other day that giveaways are just a terrible idea in general. On a side note, uh, there's actually like communities of people that look for giveaways and people will post it in that group. Everyone will just go and like raid that site and like and comment and do all the stuff they have to do to enter the competition, to try to win it, to just get free stuff. And then they disappear and then you never see them again. So yeah, you don't really want freebie hunters. So don't be looking into giveaways anyway. That's just on a side note, but definitely don't be doing um, follow and share baiting or like baiting or anything like that. Okay. Number three is comment baiting when you're saying, um, you know, people say leave a number in the comments or something like that or leave a letter in the comments. You don't want to do that. Okay. Like you don't want to do that. The algorithm knows exactly what that's about and knows how to cram. You don't do it because trust me, the algorithm's 10 steps ahead of whatever you think you're being smart with. Uh, Pretty much use the platform how it's designed or intended to be used and you won't run into any problems there. So really the main takeaway from that is uh, don't try to encourage people to do anything on your post. Like just let them naturally like it and you won't get cramped or clamped even by the uh, updated algorithm changes. Okay. It's really important that you do whatever you can when it's already hard enough as a music artist to find your way through, you know, social media when, um, small businesses that are already earning money are getting influenced by or running into issues from these uh, changes. So how is a music artist, you know, kind of survive? So you got to do whatever you can to get through on that. Uh, So they're saying here that user indicated preferences uh, are another thing they're looking for. So this is a reference to user polls that Facebook conducts in order to understand what what users wish to see in comments. So uh, a lot of the times, if you're posting stuff that isn't relevant, you know, if people are leaving feedback saying that it's not relevant, um, a lot of the times also, did you know that if you're posting something and your users start clicking up on the menu and clicking hide this post, uh, that does terrible things, terrible things for your Facebook score, I guess, to put it simply. And your post will be seen by less people. So you've got to make sure it's relevant to whoever is uh, looking at your posts. Okay. And that's why you don't want people to like your page that aren't interested in following you for the journey, you know, because otherwise, What's the point, right? Because they're going to come on, they're going to uh, like your page just to try to win something and never interact with your stuff and probably will hide it in their feed and you'll lose reach, okay? So it's not going to work for you. If you want people to respond and respond positively to your content, post good content. That's as simple as it gets, okay? And uh, also last one is uh, moderation signals. So they're saying this is a reference to how users hide or delete comments made in their posts. Okay, so they're saying that uh, here that, you know, more or less whoever runs the page can choose to, uh, you can choose as an artist to hide certain comments and allow certain comments. And the ones that you do will sort of shape how it naturally lets comments through in the future. Now, that obviously wouldn't be a big deal unless you have a lot of people commenting all the time. But it's a good way of, I guess, for bigger pages to uh, crowd control the certain types of comments that are left on their posts and that kind of thing and how to highlight better comments and that type of thing. 
So there's another point here that's really uh, important is that Facebook are now targeting low quality comments. All right. So uh, to improve relevance and quality, Facebook have said that they'll start showing comments on public posts more prominently when the comments have interactions from the page or person who originally posted. So again, that means that if you start responding, uh, liking, commenting, sharing, uh, not sharing, sorry, but liking and commenting on uh, the good comments that are left on your post, that gives them a better algorithm score and means that they will start showing up higher on your post itself. So use that to highlight the positive and good comments that you'd like to. And uh, secondly, uh, if the comments all reactions are from friends of the person that posted. Okay. So that pretty much means that if your friends and family, people, you know, in real life are commenting on your posts, then it's going to show those comments higher as well. And you should never underestimate the power of your family and friends to help you uh, get some positive algorithm score. If you bring something out, make a little group chat with like your friends and family in it and say, Hey, I'm putting a new post up. Maybe don't do it all the time, but for your big posts, uh, get them to like and comment on it through a private message. Um, so it's not on the post itself. So the algorithm doesn't get you, uh, it doesn't get you there. So you put it on your, your feed when you, when it goes up, put the link in the group chat, bam, everyone's commenting, everyone's sharing it. Everyone's giving you positive engagement. You're going to get way better organic reach from that. Okay. So it's like a little engagement group for yourself. Uh, So that's pretty much it for this article. There wasn't an absolute ton in there. So just remember as you're going through it, okay, don't ever do like baiting. Don't ever do share baiting. Don't ever do um, any type of comment baiting. Don't try to do any react baiting. Don't do giveaways. Don't try to get people to like, don't try to get people to uh, send you money if you do things in return in your posts or anything like that. Um, just, just be staying true to what the um, platform was designed to do and uh, you won't get squashed down. But I really think that's a good, good advice. Get a little engagement group going of your closest fans, of your friends and family. And whenever you have something come out, work on it as a team. Say, hey, everyone, we're trying to get as much promotion on this as possible. And it would really help if you could like it and leave a comment. And then um, share it after it too, because it helps our algorithm score. Let them know that it's on the back end that it's going to help you. And I'm sure a lot of people will be glad to do that for you. Are robots going to take over your job? I don't know. That question sounds pretty silly, but this article makes out that that actually might be closer to reality than you may think, because TikTok have uh, bought AI music company Juke Deck. Now, people, I should say this on a side note. I'll answer this question. People ask me, like, is TikTok a valid network to be building a music fan base on? And my answer is yes. I know it's silly, and I know that the demographic is kind of young. And you should always consider the demographic of a platform when you go to it. And you should also consider the um, the psychological behavior of the people that are actually on that network. I talk about this in The Four Dimensional Songwriter, but sometimes you could be promoting yourself on the wrong network entirely. Don't be promoting your music on what is most convenient to you. Post on what is most convenient to the people using that network. For example, uh, I worked with an artist forever ago I talk about it in the book that was a like... Uh, electronic DJ and their main fan that they, I'm trying to talk around the terms in the book because it's pretty deep in the book. It's toward the end. Uh, but you know, it's, they talk about creating a summary fan that is like a uh, complete summary of the, your main type of listener. So their summary fan was a, a lot of gym goers, a lot of people that go out to clubs, you know, they like to go out drinking and that kind of thing. And they're wondering why they weren't getting uh, much response to the promotion they were putting in. And they were putting like hard work in, they were doing everything right. They'll doing all the methods in this book, really connecting with their branding, making really good, uh, you know, with their branding principles, that is making really good progress with their, um, you know, their music and also with, um, finding their message and their motivation. And, uh, you know, they're, they're doing everything right. But for some reason, the fans weren't coming out. For some reason, it just wasn't working. 
So for some reason, you know, we had to find out what that reason was, okay? Because if it wasn't working, we need to fix it. So I looked at uh, everything and it all looks right up until the point where I realized that they were promoting themselves mostly on Twitter. Now, Twitter isn't a network that someone as extroverted as a gym goer, someone who likes to go out and party, someone who likes to listen to like electronic music in clubs, they don't usually use Twitter, okay? Because Twitter is more of an introverted network. It's people who don't really want to be in front of the camera. They want to, you know, sit behind words and they can like, you know, do that anyway. But, uh, you know, platforms like Instagram and Snapchat, they're more um, extroverted and they're more vanity-based. And I mean that with respect. I don't say, I don't mean that to sound insulting, but you know, if someone who goes to the gym a lot, they want to show off their muscles, right? So they're going to be active on Instagram. They're going to be active on, they're going to be active on Snapchat, right? They want to show off their muscles. I mean, they've worked for it. Yeah. You don't want to go to the gym and spend all that time working on it to just sit on Twitter all day. Right. Um, so we switched their marketing approach from Twitter to Instagram and Snapchat and bam, it all works because they're doing everything right. It's just, there was that final blockage in the pipeline, so to speak. Uh, so we, you know, connected a new pipe. I don't know where that metaphor is going made it work. It all flowed, right? It worked. So that's the same thing. You should be thinking about where your demographic is and what type of behavior would cause someone to use that platform. Now, if you're a more, if you write music and you find out that your fan base are more introverted and quiet and they like spending time in, but they have opinions and that type of thing too, they might be active on something like Twitter or even Tumblr. Like you could build your audience there. Regardless, I know that TikTok have quite a young demographic. So, you know, if your music caters to younger people as in, you know, I don't mean like children, but, you know, young teenagers, then maybe TikTok's a great platform for you to grow on. It goes to show that it can really do big things because the whole reason that Little Nas X came out with Old Town Road, the reason that got so big is an amazing story behind that, but it was pretty much because he spent months generating memes. I mean, the, the guy is incredible at marketing. Like, I should do a whole segment on that. I probably will. I'll go into explain why, go to explain that why that song, whether you like it or not, is just a prime example of like marketing genius because he didn't just come out with that song and it didn't just, you know, it's easy to just see it pick up overnight. And when you hear about it, you think that that's the first time it existed. But he spent months building these memes and like about like a cowboy hip hop crossover and he did it for ages. And then as soon as uh, then he did the song and when he dropped the song, it completely aligned with all the meme culture. He's built this trend around his music and he drops the song and it aligns with it and everyone loves it, right? And that's why I picked up. But the best thing about it was he developed this uh, viral like nature around the meme. So when the song came out, it turned it into one of those viral challenges, right? Where everyone you know did the cowboy dance listening to Old Town Road and then everyone wanted to do that. And then that doesn't even become about the song anymore. It becomes about people wanting to fit in in front of their friends. So they'll do whatever it takes or whatever is trendy to look cool in front of their friends. Same thing when Gangnam Style came out years ago, everyone was putting up the Gangnam Style dances and stuff because they wanted to fit in, right? So that's where it becomes uh, like a, psych a different level psychologically than just the music. But if your music can jump along for that ride, that's why he's so big now. And I mean, he's done some crazy stuff. And then he stayed active on Twitter by putting very relatable memes up to what is popular within meme culture at the moment. Um, and a lot of people gravitated toward him. And I mean, I talk about not him in my book. I don't talk about Lil Nas X in my book, but I do talk about that same approach about finding uh, a way to connect with your audience on a, like a level that they can relate to. And that's how people build 
they love people keep saying like why aren't people listening to my music well look at Lil Nas X he actually built all the avenues outside of his music he was using the personality dimension which is the second of the four dimensions to develop uh, likability through that and relatability and then when he brings music out people want to listen to it okay so anyway that's why you should definitely be looking at TikTok but more or less TikTok have bought AI music company Juke Deck and the reason why Juke this is so important this Juke Deck acquisition is the fact that it makes me furious and it should make you furious too because what it is is that it is an artificial intelligence music creation platform so it's not for music artists to go in and write songs because we've seen that before this is for content creators to go in and create songs on the fly that are going to be royalty free now that should sound disgusting because it absolutely is it means that uh, if you want to create royalty free music and not have to pay the, um, ro- the you know the commission or the royalty for the artist who wrote it you can just generate a song just to put music in the background it is absolutely silly I hate the idea in principle and I think that I don't think it's going to be the future it's going to come back around okay every uh, content creator is going to find that generated music is nowhere near as um, artistic or soulful or passionate or doesn't have that human element that real music does and I think it's going to swing back in your favor and to be honest I can see a lot of these content creators start to use music that is not of the big famous artists you know they can't afford to uh, pay the royalties of, of artists like that of that level you know but I really think they're going to start supporting uh, smaller music artists, you know, people that kind of align with their level of success so you can grow together, okay? So I think you should always be contacting these content creators and asking them if they can use your music, okay? They're obviously looking for royalty-free music, so why not provide it? So I put a question out to the Listen Pages Facebook group. If you haven't joined, you definitely should uh, go and check it out. I'm sure that there's a link in some bio somewhere. Or if you just type Listen Pages in on Facebook, it'll come up with the group called Listen Pages User Community. Um, anyway, so anyone that joins that group gets a free account to test Listen Pages too. We're going to be launching very, very soon. I mean, I don't want to tell you the date just yet, but... I could say it's around the corner when I look at my watch, so it's that close. You know, if I had sound effects, I'd go ding on my eye. Maybe I could put one in. No, I obviously don't have the budget for that yet. But anyway, I put a question there saying um, to let me know the funniest story you had about being in a band or something that happened on the road. And uh, some of the stories we got were really funny. Like, for real, they made my day. But I read in there my story about when we went on the road one time and I didn't actually explain the full thing and I said that I would do it on the podcast. So I figured that we'd end this podcast with a bit of story time and I'd tell you about the time that we got ran out of town by a (laughs) club owner with Mob Connections uh, for playing a three and a half hour, 45 minute set. So we were getting booked by a booking agent who was responsible for booking a um, quite a well-known band in Australia ages ago, okay? They used to be very big in the 80s in the 90s, uh, but their booking agent was booking for us. And I mean, this was probably around 2008, 2009. Anyway, so we get booked in a small country town that is probably an eight and a half hours drive away. Um, you know, it's quite a while uh, called it's a small country town in Australia. We packed our van, drove down there in the middle of summer. It was so hot. And I remember I was sick. Okay. I had a cold. I was I actually in the car, didn't speak all day because I knew I had to uh, save my voice for that night. And I, you know, you don't want to get on stage and not sing. Can you imagine that? Me not talking. So obviously it was for, a, you know, I must have been pretty sick, but I just felt like I had no voice at all. So I tried to save as much as I could. We get to the venue. We start loading in. Um, it's a big RSL club. And we got told that the show had sold out. So we're thinking, yeah, this is going to be fantastic. There's, there's like 400 people coming um you know there's apparently a boxing match on upstairs and we were like the entertainment after so like 400 people uh were going to come watch us play after the boxing finished 
great night. It all sounded too good to be true. And it turned out that that was kind of the truth, right? Uh, so we get in there and we get told we get our hotel provided. We get told we get dinner provided. Uh, so we go over to the restaurant. We asked the lady what they had for dinner. She told us all the specials, blah, blah, blah. And drummer's vegetarian. So he said, what have you got this vegetarian? And she said, we've got the chicken. So she had no idea what a vegetarian was. And he went, oh, okay. I think I'll just get the wedges. And she said, with cheat swilly sauce? Cheat swilly sauce. Okay. So the lady had no idea what she was talking about. Uh, so we get that set up on stage, go to play sound check. A guy sees our drummer, walks up to him and says, I want to talk to you outside. And our drummer's like, why? And he said, because you were hitting on my girlfriend. And he said, man, we've been in this town for about an hour. We've been in here the whole time. I don't know who your girlfriend is. Then again, I wouldn't have put it past him if we were back in Newcastle. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But anyway, this guy uh, wanted to fight him to the point where he was like yelling at him saying, get outside, we're going to fight. And somehow you fast forward 10 minutes later and that guy is on the drum kit and our drummer is teaching him how to play drums. And five minutes after that, this guy has his wallet out and is insisting on paying our drummer for the drum lesson he just got given impromptu on the spot and drummer's like no you don't have to pay me it's all good just don't fight me because I don't really want to fight you and he's like no man I've got to give you this money weirdest series of events ever so anyway we get on stage to play we got booked from uh, 10 o'clock till 10.45 at night to play 45 minutes of music and that's what we were getting paid for that's why we drove there that's what every you know that's what it was all set up around because there was meant to be 400 people in the room but at that time there were four people in the room our friend that we brought down in the car, the bartender, and two random people, okay? So the only people in the crowd were the two people sitting there. We said to the bartender, you know, should we start because there is next to nobody here? And he said, no, start. And he was really angry and he was really aggressive. Uh, he just was not a very a very uh, hospitable or um, friendly person at all. Uh, so he said, get up there and play because we didn't pay you to come here and not play. And I was like, yeah, we will, but like, shouldn't we wait? And he was like, no, the boxing's finishing in a second, so just play and they'll be downstairs in a second. So we start our set. We play our first song and these two people like sitting there clap after we finish them like, cool, how patronizing, but thank you. And then we play our second song and they clap again. And we play our third song and they're like, all right, thanks for, thanks for that, but we've got to go. So we're like, oh, okay. So like literally there was nobody left in the crowd. It was just the bartender and our friend who we brought down in the car. So we just stood there and waited. Like we're on stage going, well, there's no point in playing if nobody's here. So we'll just wait till obviously the boxing people come downstairs and we'll stop playing to an empty room. And the bartender from behind the bar at the back of the club started swearing at us and told us that he would fight us if we didn't keep playing. So we're like, okay. I was like, but there's nobody here. Shouldn't we just wait till people come in? It didn't matter that this was a very unprofessional conversation to be had from on stage because no one was in the room, you know, like it was just us and the bartender, but he threatened to fight us. So we played through our entire 45 minute set to nobody. There was absolutely nobody in the room. We played it to uh, literally an empty room. So we finished and then we start packing up and the bartender comes over all puffed up and all threatening going, what do you think you're doing? And we're like, well, we're packing up. We're going home. And he said, no, you're not because uh, you didn't play to anyone. And I said, yeah, no, but where is everyone? He said, but the boxing's running late. Keep playing. They'll be down in a second. And we're like, oh, okay. But we only got paid for a 45 minute set. He's like, we're not paying you at all unless you play again. And we're like, oh, are you serious? Whole time I'm like, okay, no worries. Cause I've got no voice. Right. So we get back up on stage and we play again from start to finish waiting for these 400 people to come downstairs. We play through our entire set from start to finish all 45 minutes all over again. At the start, nobody was there. At the end, Nobody was there. People have still not come downstairs and we finished our second set. We only got paid for one. I burnt my voice out on that set. <laughs> Played the whole set all over again and no one was downstairs yet. So we start packing up again and the bartender comes over and goes, what do you think you're doing? Through a bunch of swear words, right? And we're like, 
we just played a second set and nobody's here. Like how we, uh, we didn't get paid for this, right? Like there's no point in playing to an empty room. Like why couldn't we have just waited till they came downstairs and we could have just played when they're here? And he's like, look, the boxing's running late, but get up there and start playing. I know it's going to finish in about 10 minutes. And we're like, okay, look, if you can promise that the boxing finishes in 10 minutes, we'll play again and we'll play our set all over again. But if the boxing doesn't finish after this set, we are going home. Now you probably think I'm making this up, but it is absolutely 100% true. We played two sets to an empty room and we got told that on the third set that we weren't getting paid for we thought we're just playing one set uh that you know people would be coming downstairs because the boxing was finishing up and that is absolutely true they did the boxing did finish 10 minutes into our third set and we watched 400 people come downstairs from the boxing at 1 30 in the morning only to go straight out the front door and into their cars and to go home because the boxing was meant to finish at 10 30 but it finished at 1 30 so you know everyone was tired and just went home okay so we played our set to an empty room again there were five people that came in the door but it was too loud for them. We actually had people coming up to us in an empty room yelling at us to turn it down. The next morning, we wake up in our hotel to the concierge uh, knocking on our door saying that the guy who ran the RSL had mob ties and he was trying to hunt us down. And she said, you seem like nice guys and I don't want you to get caught up in that. So you should probably leave right now. So we just had to grab our stuff, literally get in the car and leave immediately. Now you might be thinking like, why was he after you? Like, what did you do wrong? Like, how could you have the, the mob chasing you for, uh, you know, that set you did the night before? We didn't actually do anything wrong. Uh, he just didn't like the idea that he was paying us quite a bit of money to play to an empty room, okay? Uh, apparently, he he thought that he got ripped off by that. I'm like, how is it our fault? We actually went above and beyond everything he asked for. But yeah, that's why my band can never go back to Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week. Why not check out another video? You can do so by clicking right here. You'll find even more ways for your music to take over the world. But before you do, make sure you like this video, share it with your friends, hit the subscribe button and turn on the notification bell. That way you won't miss my next video.